Howdy, folks. This is Chris White, and you're listening to Basic Business Advice. Here with our panel, Dan Olabi, Ken Hostetler, and Jordan Mullet. Dan is with Branches Worldwide and Olabi Leadership. Ken is a partner at White Law Office, and Jordan is the owner of the Berlin Escape Room and a training coach teacher at uh, the Ruby Group with Sandler Training. Guys, today we are going to have a little bit of story time, maybe maybe a little bit of analysis of the difference between critiquing and receiving and giving criticism. And for the purposes of our conversation, because we know that those terms can have a wide range of meanings, we're going to treat critiquing in the definition of something that is meant to help improve and move somebody forward. And we're going to treat criticism as something that is meant to tear down. And so just for the purposes of our conversation, when we use those words, let's use them according to those definitions. And where I'd like to step back before we start talking about how and when and when it makes sense to do it, there are times in each of our lives when we're told something that just sticks in our personality, sticks in our psyche. And what is the worst thing that you were ever told about yourself? or something you were trying to do that maybe even still creeps up when you're trying to do something today. Dan, I think you were going to be up first with this one. Yeah. So I love this topic because I think as a leader, what you have to do is you have to be really good at critiquing people on a regular basis and critiquing them in a way that they can hear it. I think some of the worst stories that we all have come from moments when people have said things that may have an inkling of truth, um, but it came with a pile of crap on top of it. And it just hurt in a lot of ways and was unnecessarily destructive, that kind of stuff. I think stories that I have are very similar to that. It came from a pretty vulnerable time in my career as a leader. I was, I was just getting started as a leader of a lot of people. I was a, a pastor at a small church, about 300 people in Walnut Creek, Ohio. And I had just really had the opportunity to get up on stage and deliver announcements and that kind of stuff. I think I'd given like one or two sermons at that point. And it really was like giving it my best. And it was the point where I realized that my best wasn't actually good enough you know, like I used, I was a teacher before, so I could teach for a few minutes, maybe 30 minutes or something like that. But really kind of delivering in front of a lot of people for a longer period of time was just really challenging for me. And I was working my way through it. Anyway, one of the people in the church who had been around for a long time, an older gentleman who was very, very respected, um, from my perspective and from the perspective of a lot of people in the church, called me on a Sunday afternoon after I was having that sort of that post-Sunday evaluation with my wife saying, hey, what do you think it went? How do you think I said this? How do you think I said that? You know, just really kind of thinking through it, probably being way too insecure. All that to say, he called me in the middle of that conversation and said, hey, Dan, can I tell you something? I was like, sure. I was getting ready for some encouragement. And he's like, you are really bad from the stage. Like you, you stutter, you stumble, you seem very unsure of yourself. What we need is a confident leader. And I think, I think you just need, you need to figure this out. And I was like, really? (laughs) I mean, like, I didn't know what to say. I mean, this guy was probably in his seventies and I think I was like 24 at the time. And so like, it hit me like a pile of bricks. I think I honestly, honest to goodness, I think I skipped the next day. I didn't go to work the next day. I was so like shattered by that. Cause I, I value public speaking a ton and like people who are poor public speakers, like it really bothers me. So at the time I really wanted to be good and I just wasn't and he spoke truth, honestly, it wasn't very good, but man, in a way that was unbelievably destructive. And now looking back on it, I could think of a thousand ways to say that better. So it's more meaningful, more helpful, 
more constructive. But at the time, gosh, I thought, man, this guy knows a lot about leadership, a lot about speaking, and I clearly am not measuring up. And he's probably speaking for 75% of the church, and they all think I'm an idiot too, you know? So that was a, that was a, that was a horrible moment for me. Jordan or Ken, what about you? What about those stories that, you know, those voices that have spoken in different ways? Yeah, so for me, uh, the, the first thing that came to mind was getting close to 10 years ago when I was looking at going to law school and becoming an attorney. Uh, I actually met with uh, someone who was in the legal profession who I had a lot of respect for. And I really felt, you know, I was, I was a little bit like Dan. I was, I was prepared for encouragement. And what I got was really sure you want to do this and wasn't the helpful advice that I was looking for at all. And and I I walked away from that with the exact same feeling of like, this person had an opportunity to speak into my life. And instead, they just kind of totally missed the chance. And I kind of wrote wrote their opinion off from that point forward. And, And that was really difficult for me. I mean, it was I, you know, the fact that I still vividly remember that conversation just goes to show like how much uh, of an impact this type of conversation can have. Now, wait a second, Ken, that, that wasn't my conversation with you because I seem to remember telling you that exact same thing. Are you sure about this? <laughs> <laughs> that was a whole, that was a whole different conversation. You came around on that one. <laughs> Jordan, what about you? What about those voices that spoke into your life? You know, I was just searching my memory on this. And when it comes to criticism, there's some things that have been shared with me, but I tend to, I think I do a good job of filtering that. I think where I struggle is when somebody's coming to me with a critique and they're sharing something to me in love. It's my inner circle. They've told me something. And I have this weird ability to add on all the other things that I'm worried about or fearful of. And sometimes when they're coming to me with that critique, I'm not hearing them because I'm in my mind, it's turning into criticism. Recently had two of my partners come to me and one of the things that I've encouraged them to do over the years in specific areas of my weaknesses is that they're to come to me when they see it happen in my life. And this happened uh, in January. And they sat me down and they said, hey, you ask us to come. And they're sharing with me what they're seeing, which is what I've asked them to do. And I've got all these things bouncing around in my head about this. You know, basically, I was reading my list of shortcomings off in my head. Boom, 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 boom. They picked up. I'm so grateful. They picked up on it really quickly. And they said, no, 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 we're, we're not talking about this. It's not a critique. Like, this is not a criticism. Like, you're killing this, this, and this. We're just saying you're not reaching your potential. Like, you're, we see you as here and you're not. And like right there, I was the, the criticism. I was the source of it. If they wouldn't have recognized that and called me out, I know what I would have been that night. Like I'm all in my head and dealing with those things. So somewhat similar, but I'm, again, I'm so thankful for that inner, inner circle that helps me. It comes to me in those times because I, I do get sideways. So uh, Chris, I don't know if that's a good example or not, but that's, that's okay. kind of the ones I got. But, uh, fortunate for you, you had a positive <laughs> group Unfortunately, you know, and I'm going to share a little bit from my perspective. Mine was a little more similar to dance. I was a teacher in my first career and I left to try and speak and try writing first, you know, since I've written a book since that time, but I was going to try and do it then and try and go out and speak and write. And uh, my son who was got sick and died and I had to wait tables and I worked as a bank teller and to, you know, make it through that 
postseason, I actually went back to teaching at the private school I had been teaching at. And the leaders, as it was in a church, imagine yourself in my position, 26 years old. Uh, your kid has just died six months ago. You're trying to scramble to figure out what's going on. And you're coming back to the school to ask for your teaching position back. And the two leaders of it look you in your face and say, Chris, you're probably the smartest guy in the room, but you've got a major problem. You're, you're just, you're like an unrefined diamond. You've got this massive lump of coal. And they went on to tell me that I was not enough like them. I was not enough of, uh, you know, the traditional theological teacher leader. I was, you know, I shouldn't ask as many questions and let the students, I should just be more firm in my doctrine. And I should tell people exactly what it is instead of, you know, leading from a position of let's ask questions and explore these opportunities. Devastating, but devastating to the degree that I could not respond. I needed the job. It was the only thing I was qualified to have at that position at the highest pay that I could have at that time to pay for the bills that I needed to pay for. And I swallowed that. And I swallowed that, that hard. And that lives in the back of my head, you know, from time to time, that ringing, you're not like what you need to be. You know, even, even, in, a, even in the profession, one of the successes that we've had at the firm and everything, you look around and you realize, He's the guy that wears sandals, jeans, and and that ringing and that ringing critici- criticism of me as a person still echoes in my mind to that you're just not enough. You're not enough like us or what you should be to occupy this position. And it's really interesting because taking from that, I'd like to go to the next step with you guys on this. Each of us, fortunately, Jordan has had a golden life. <laughs> Without negative criticism, uh, you know, bringing through. So maybe you don't identify so much. But guys, we are all in positions where we are empowered to give critique, to legitimately help people forward on their journey, or recklessly give criticism. And how do you approach that? How, if you are invited into a space to speak to somebody on that level, how do you guys approach that? Well, I, since I uh, since I'm the golden boy, I'll go first here. And I was thinking about I think I feel like maybe I'm looking at it different, but I feel I've been rebuked, and maybe sometimes that the similar thing that you're saying that a criticism is it's a, I take it as a rebuke, and I don't always like the way it comes from or where it comes from. But here's what I consider when I'm going to talk to somebody. Number one, do I have a position with that person of respect? Is there a bridge built where if I share this um, critique with somebody that they're going to receive it from me and it's not criticism? In other words, have I earned the right to be able to share this? Number two is, are they in a position right now where they can receive it? Because there's definitely times where I'm not able to receive it. There's definitely times where other people aren't able to receive it. And I use the the judgment not to cast your pearls before swine. So if if I'm gonna if I'm gonna offer my help, I want to be able to make sure it's the right time. And then probably the third thing is is that I use, and this is in delivering it, is in humility, um, not knowing that I have it all right or I have it correct, and being able to go to them and offer it to them if they're open to receive it. But it is, I think, delivering critique versus criticism. It's a fine line. I think it's very difficult, and I know I've messed it up many many times. Yeah, I think it's pretty easy to mess up too, Jordan. I like that list. You know, one thing I think it's important to say is that 
you know, we've all experienced, you know, setbacks. I think everybody has. Everyone in, in the world has had people say things to them that's been off color and they can, they can remember moments like that. And I think on the other hand, we have all said things to people that are hurtful and dangerous. And, you know, on the other side of it, we, we don't actually know the effect that we had, but we did have that effect, right? And they just went away and they never told us or whatever. So I think everybody's equally culpable in a lot of ways. But for me to understand the difference between critique and criticism really comes down to something that Jordan said. It's about it's about your ability to help and serve. One analogy I've used before is a towel versus a clipboard. Um, A clipboard is all about sort of checking and like, look, you don't measure up and I've got a list of all the things that are perfect and you clearly are not on all all those. I'm just going to let you know where you don't stack up. But if you have a towel you help people recognize, yeah, that you're not where you need to be, but I have a towel and I'm going to step in and I'm going to work with you to fix this. I'm going to wash your feet. I'm going to help you fix this. I'm going to do whatever it takes. If you lead with a towel versus a clipboard, then you have much more credibility with people because you're like, I see this. Do you see this? Let's get in there and fix this together for your own sake. Just a quick story of when I really, you know, use the clipboard versus the towel. You've heard the horror stories of how like um, high school teachers will look at kids in the eye and say things like that are really terrible and then like scar them for life. I did that to one student who was failing my class. I mean, after the fact, I was like, oh my gosh, I actually said that out loud. It was one student who was failing my class. She was a senior. I told her a bunch of times to do her homework. One day, I think I was just fed up. I don't know, having a bad day, whatever. I sat her down. And in a moment of just, just horrible leadership, I said, look, you are not college material. Like the way that you're like performing right now, you will not, I almost, I think I might've said you will not succeed in life. I think I might've said those words. I don't know. It was, it was as bad as bad can be. Like if you're going to like make a Marvel movie and have a bad guy, like I was that guy in the moment, you know? And so I think we've all said things like that, but if you switch it and you would have said, okay, look, Dan, like take the towel into the clipboard. She was failing my class and she was not college material. But if I would have taken the towel, I would have been like, but I want to help you. What are your plans for the future? I can help you get there. We can stay after class. We can do the work together. I can help you get not never, not everything. So the difference between Tom and Clipboard, you can still deliver truth, but if you're willing to come in and help, it makes all the difference. So I think one of the things that we're missing with this conversation is really the motivation part. And I know, you know, basically Jordan and Dan, what you guys were saying was you need a relationship with someone in order to provide critique. And I get all of that, but I want to push back on some of that because there's a lot of sports teams, there's a lot of managers, there's a lot of people who want to uh, get people to take certain actions and motivate them and move move forward with them that don't necessarily have that deep relationship. And I understand this is maybe beyond the scope of what we're talking about, but there have been people that have said things to me that have been maybe critical in a way. But you know what? They also motivated me and they also got me to move forward. And so it was kind of taking that that negative that's repeating in the back of my head and it's also driving me forward. So I think that there's an important aspect of this that we have to look at of it's more than just, oh, well, we've got to have a relationship and then we motivate or we we critique people and everything's great. Uh, it's beyond that. You know, I can jump in there. I think, and this is probably what frustrates me the most is it's not the things that have been said to me, those different things. It's, it's all the things that have not been said to me. Because I, I love that story of the emperor's new clothing. And the emperor loved clothing. These new guys came in and they were tricksters. 
and they basically used invisible thread and sold him an invisible cloak and and told the whole kingdom and the king and said that if if you're good at your job you can see the clothing if you're not good at your job you can't see it and so therefore the king dressed up in invisible clothing and went out naked right I feel naked. I have felt naked so many times. And part of that is because um, I grew up as a son of a business owner. I think there's things that people saw about me and never told me. I'm second born. My dad never told me. And I went around and it was like, I wish I would have gotten critiqued a lot more. I wish I would have, people would have even criticized me to my face because then I could have at least adjusted it. I would have known how other people are seeing me. And I think that's one of my biggest fears is that here I am thinking I'm one thing and then coming across as something completely different to the world. And it's like, I don't want, and that's probably why I push my inner circle harder than ever is if it, if you hear it, if you think it, you got to share it with me. Cause if you don't share it, like I, I can't see it. Right. I'm, I'm just like the emperor. I'm completely blind out here. And anyway, that's if, and I'm opening up to you guys or anybody out there, like, come tell me, right. Come tell me if you see something, if you see I'm missing something, cause I, I, I admit it, I'm blind. Right? I buy invisible clothes all the time. Well, time out real quick. Let's just devote the last five minutes to telling Jordan the truth about him. Like if everyone just want to let's pause, make a list of like three or four things and we can just deliver it as fast as we can, then oh, let's, let's make this happen. I, I mean, I don't he's know, asking I, for it. So I'm I don't know that we got enough baby. time, Dan. I don't know if we got enough time. <laughs> email, email, send me an email. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll do yeah. that. In, we'll do that on a post blooper reel show. Dan, I yeah. want to come to you though on something and not ignoring what you're saying, Jordan, but I want to come back to you as at a, layer of advice because you have played for a collegiate ball team you have had a relationship with a person whose job is to form a winning team and the the goal is is to have as more w's in the column than you know l's on the opposite side in sports ball terms now would you have called what your coaches did critiquing or criticism because the relationship and the whole structure of what you were doing on that team was aimed forward in a direction towards a goal. What was that relationship like? Yeah, no, that's a great question. I think some of the best coaching I got was in the form of, of real public criticism. But what our coach did real, really well, better than anybody, was create the relationship behind the scenes. I mean, one-on-one. Craig Popovich is a great example of that, where he'll just like pound people publicly, professional athletes. But if you see him in practice, I mean, he is like nose-to-nose, one-on-one, asking about their kids, asking about their vacation, asking about their new car, like just really getting into their life so that he has the, the social capital to really put it on the line when it comes time to do that. I think the best leaders know how to build the relationships behind the scenes so they can deliver the punches when they need to it, motivate everyone to run forward at the same speed, at the same pace, in the same direction. I think those are the best leaders. And I think oftentimes what we see are the you know, big, tough coaches in front of everyone yelling and screaming. But in reality, behind the scenes, they're doing a lot of work to build those strong relationships with people. I think that's key. But yeah, our coach, our coach did that where I was publicly criticized. The worst coaches, obviously, were the ones that were just relentlessly criticized, but yet still didn't have a relationship. You couldn't tell that they had your best interest at heart. You know, it was really all about either themselves or the team and very little about you. Ken, then wrapping back into what you were saying, how often do you think the problem was that you're, the leaders did not do anything else to establish either that team goal or that relationship, but just entered into criticism? How often do you think that was where they just came off? Because that was easier. That was easier than the goal. And that was easier than the relationship. 
Absolutely. And I think that's one of the, the characteristics of what makes a manager great or not. You know, we talked about accountability here recently and and relationship and knowing which buttons to push and that type of thing does make a difference. Uh, I don't want to negate that, but I think that there, there are times that um, we can take negative uh, criticism, not critique, and we can turn that into a positive for ourselves. So I don't think, I don't think we should, should only view that as, hey, this is something that nothing positive can, can come out of this. Well, guys, as we're wrapping up this episode of the podcast series, I, I appreciate your guys' transparencies uh, with some of your stories. And I think the encouragement that we can leave with leaders who are trying to coach a team, whether it's their business or a literal sports ball team or whatever it might be, is that absent of that larger goal, absent of that respect and absent of that relationship that establishes some foundation upon which we've got to be super careful how we enter into those, those spheres. Jordan, with your three different areas that you talked about of understanding of how we walk into that, that we stand a greater chance of being a destructive force in that person's life than a positive motivating force towards what really needs to happen. But I think all of that takes time, energy, and effort. Well, we want to thank our listeners and whatever pod, podcast platform you are listening to us on, please subscribe to this podcast, like it, leave us a review, Share it on your social media platform if you can. And on behalf of Dan Olabi, Ken Hostetler, and Jordan Mollett, this is Chris White. Thanks for listening.